So in my first podcast, I had mentioned that, you know, the this guy walked into my room, you know, and I had to say, you know, hey, I'll get with you in a minute. And that was John. John lives in my laundry room. John was my best friend when I was in high school. And we tried a relationship for a little while, but things started getting strange, and I didn't quite understand why. And then later, many years later, I found out that John has schizophrenia and John has Tourette's. So, you know, that um, that relationship, of course, didn't last very long. But the relationship between us as friends has maintained its position in my life. <sighs> so now John lives with me. I take care of him. Um, as best I can. Um, he didn't really have anywhere to go. I mean, he has a family that loves him, but his drug addiction and his uh, mental illness has made it to where people just, it hurts them too much, and they have a hard time being around him. I am uh, kind of alpha <laughs> in, the, in a lot of ways, and I let John stay here, but I'm on him. I'm hard on him. Keep your room clean. Take a shower. Brush your teeth. Take care of yourself. Be on your medication. Um, and I try to give him chores and things. And, and, and so John's been with me on and off every once in a while. Um, he gets out there and, and takes off for a little bit, but he always calls me and says, hey, I've hit bottom again. I don't have anywhere to go. And I say, come home. And uh, that's pretty much where we've been. We've been good friends. And now uh, he lives in my laundry room. He would be homeless without me. And I'm not trying to say, ooh, look at me, I'm saving lives. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that I love him unconditionally. And I'm, and he's, uh, he's pretty diabetic. And he's getting really sick. <laughs> Not sick, but, you know, he just, he won't stop eating cheesecake. I tell him all the time, stop with the cheesecake, John. <laughs> anyway, this goes further. There's another person in my life, and she's very, very special to me. And I love her more than any other female on this planet. <laughs> and she has an addiction to um, Valium and... uh Right, and she's trying so hard to break that addiction, and I'm trying so hard to be here for her, and it's, I don't know what to do, <laughs> I'm just kind of lost. Now today, this morning, I had a friend call me, or come to me, he called and he came to me and he said, you know, I, I've been on these pills you know, he almost died once, and um, I don't want to give away any privacy of anyone's business, but I love this guy. I love him so much. He's so important to my life and my children's life and my family's life. And he has this addiction right now that's causing, it's made his whole life spin out of control. And now he has nothing. He's, he's at bottom. And he's come to me and said, help me. I have this, and I don't know what to do, and he cried, and I held him today, and uh, 
he said, I have to go get a fix. Because right now I, I have to take care of some paperwork for him for insurance. And I have to take care of some things to get him ready. And he said he couldn't do it any longer. So right now he's off getting a fix. And when he gets back, I'm going to take him to the emergency room. And I'm going to try to get him into a rehab or something. And, you know, mental health used to be a thing that was outside of the world. You know, it was the thing that other people had. It was things that you watched on TV, and it was things you heard commercials for. But lately, it's been the people I love. It's been the people in my home and the people in my my everyday relationships. And it, now I'm realizing how bad it is. Now, now, I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't do pills. I try to use food as my medicine as much as I can. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll smoke some weed. Ooh. Yeah, I smoke weed. That's my one drug of choice. I've always said... Any person with two legs only needs one crutch. And you get to choose your crutch wisely. And, and uh, I can just imagine how many other people in this world right now are dealing with this, this pain that makes them have to do a drug to feel something. I think that's what hurts the most is that I can't do anything about it. I can help. I, I can say, hey, let me take you here. Let, let me take you to these people to let them help. Let me do this. But I can't do anything else. I can't take it away. I can't take the pain away that makes them need to do drugs in the first place or I, I don't know what to do. And I, I feel so... My hands feel tied. I'm always the person that people can come to for help. And now... I just don't know what to do. It's all about the money. It's all about the insurance. It's all about, you know, who's got... Who's got the money. And then... And then, you know what's crazy... There are so many people with this problem that there are no beds available. So people that need the help can't even get in there to get it because it's it, it depends on if there's a bed or not in, in whatever facility that is available. Now I'm going to tell you about John. Back to John. I can use his name. <laughs> John has had some times when he's gone back and started doing drugs again. And one time he was at my house and he OD'd. I didn't know what was happening. I thought he was having a heart attack. All I know is at the time he was, uh, I had let him stay in a tent in my yard because it was summertime and I didn't have room. I had let a, a homeless girl and her son stay in the laundry room for a little while while they were getting their stuff together. And, uh, just a minute, baby. Yeah, I'll get 
get you some food. Just Can I go in No, no, no. I'll do that in a minute, please. Baby, I'm doing a podcast right now. Okay, just give me a minute. 15 more minutes, and I will help you and drive you wherever you need to go. No, because it's raining outside, and Ty has a cough. Ty has a cough. I don't want him to go to the library. No, I will take you in a minute. Draft up. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's my real life right there. You know, I have I have kids I have to take care of. My oldest son's at the library right now, and my youngest wants to go, but it's the weather's horrible out there. I don't want him walking. And uh, my grandson's here, and he's got a cough, and he's home from school today. And So, you know, but I have to make this right now. I have to talk about this right now. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't have anyone to turn to about this. I'm just trying to figure it out on my own. And... Uh, Back to John. John, John's gone. Anyway, I let John stay in a tent in the yard, and John comes busting in my front door one day, and just, and he's flopping all over the place like like a like a fish out of water, and he's throwing himself all around my room, and he's breaking everything. There's just glass shattering everywhere, and my bed is just, he's just you know throwing himself on the bed. But at the time. I was doing this princess in the pea thing where I had three mattresses on my bed and my bed was really high up. And he just kept trying to get on my bed and he kept missing it. And it was crazy. So he kept, because he couldn't get on the bed, he was running through my house and just breaking, breaking things. I I must have lost $400 worth of stuff. Broke my iPad, my son's iPad screen. Broke, you know, so many things. (laughs) And I didn't know what was going on, and I was scared. And I called 911, and the cops came, and the ambulance came, and they were so rude to him. And it was hard for me, because this is someone I love and care about. And they they were so mean, and they were just condescending, and they put him down so much, and and I was just like, no, he needs to go to the hospital right now, and he couldn't talk, and he wasn't delirious, and I suppose at the time, I was thinking he was having a heart attack, and they knew he was having a drug overdose, and so they were being, you know, I was more on the health side, so I was more sensitive about it, so I suppose maybe they weren't being mean, maybe they just had to be very direct to know what to do next. But it was really something. It was a big... He ended up going to the hospital. His mom and his aunt flew out for a week. Um, everyone was worried about him. Uh, and uh, I was worried about him. I didn't know what state he was going to be in. Because well, I had to sit in the hospital and feed him with my... You know, like feed him because he couldn't even grab the spoon to bring it up and they were saying that I was going to have to learn the rehabilitation to rehabilitate him at home and put a hospital bed maybe in here and the doctor said it was one of the worst worst ones that worst drug overdoses Um, and it also he also has health problems as well so I'm sure all of it together made it worse but it every time they kept trying to take him out of you know they had a tube down his throat they had I mean he was just laying there in the ICU and I would have to go in and every day and check on him and 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 talk to him and and just touch him you know let him know that you know he's not alone or whatever but at the same time I got these kids to take care of at home and uh 
So, I don't know, it's just a lot right now. It's really emotional right now, and I got all these people that want things from me. You know, I've got, I make my living right now. I do tarot card readings. I massage. Um, I do uh, birth charts. And uh, I do some life coach work. I also, when I need more work, I uh, I hustle off a of Craigslist if I need to. If I need money, I, I find a way to make it work every time. But the point is, I've got all this going on, and everybody needs my help right now. And I'm, I, I just need, I need someone to talk to. I've, I've called everybody I know, and nobody will answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure not that nobody will answer, but I'm sure they are. Um, you know, I'm sure my sister's at work. I'm, I'm sure my daughter is at work. I'm sure my, <laughs> you know, um, my mom's probably asleep. You know, it's, it's different time zone. Um, I really, I don't have anybody else really. But all I know is if you guys are out there and you have these people in your life, you know, people addicted to drugs, people with mental health problems, with both, you know, what do you, what do you do? I've got all these places that I can, you know, call, they're like, oh, you know, if you got a drug problem, call this number. If you've got, you know, there's this there's this place in town that's for, for, you know, it's a mental health uh, place and drug rehabilitation place. I've called that place four times. Each time it goes to an answering machine. I'm like, I don't need an answering machine. I need someone right now. So my only left obstacle is when he gets here, he'll be here in about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, when he gets here, I'm going to take him to take care of his health insurance paperwork. And then I will take him directly to the emergency room where hopefully they will send him to a rehab and, uh, and, and help him. <sighs> and... And you know, it's so funny. You look around and it seems like there's all this help for people. All this help. Oh, we offer this assistance, that assistance. But you know what? Unless you have the best insurance, unless you have the money to, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You go in and you tell them you have no money and they're still like, we want $15. And for some people, $15 is a lot of money. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I I'm this is not going to be a super long <laughs> podcast. It's just one that's very emotional and uh very very it's just like a, an awareness kind of thing, you know. People are, if if this is happening to me, I can imagine how many people have so many things going on in their lives right now that they you know that they're in the same boat. You know, they have, they have the same problems with these people. And the, and the sad thing is, is I keep getting these people and they keep coming to me because I will do something if I can. And most of these people, they have families that won't help them. They've got, um, 
You know, they just have nowhere to turn. Everybody says, we'll come back between 10 and 2, Monday through Friday, or they say, uh, you have to fill out this paperwork online. And a lot of people that are having mental problems and drug problems, they cannot, um, they, they can't even sit down and find the time to to fill that paperwork out. Even that paperwork is intimidating to them. And then and then they feel like failures and then they go back into it again. Now I remember one time there's this there's this guy. What was his name? Alexander Bruce Alexander is his name. He was a he was a, a scientist named Bruce Alexander and he created this uh this rat park. It, it, there's a TED talk about it and it's just amazing and and this 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 guy creates Rat City, I think it's called Rat City. And what happens is usually when people do studies on drugs and things like that, then they take these rats and they put them in a few, you know, cages and they give them option of cocaine water or regular water or a cocaine cookie and a regular cookie. And they give them options like that and they watch what they do. And most of the drugs end up, you know, pulling in the, the rats because... There's nothing for them to do. So what this Bruce Alexander did was he created Rat City or Rat Park, one of those, in which there was everything to do. These rats had um, sex. They had uh, food. They had places to play. They had leisure areas. I mean, this was a huge area. Now, I I am so sorry. I know I'm going to be rude. I gotta blow my nose right now from all <laughs> I'm a cancer Taurus. I get really emotional. Anyway, so there's every option of pleasure in this rat park. Every every everything you can imagine that would make them happy. And then over on one section is their coke I don't know why I keep saying cocaine water, cocaine cookie, because I don't know what drugs they use, but it's some kind of, I imagine it would be something like that. Um, excuse me. They, um, and they do have that area in there, too. And they have, I'm just going to keep using the word cocaine water just for lack of better reference right now. But So they put the cocaine water and the regular water over there. And, and then they see what happens when, when, when all of life's pleasures are available. And they notice that these rats don't do what all the other studies had done. What they do is they they come, yeah, and they might come and get a little cocaine water on a weekend or something, but they go back to the life that gives them pleasure, the connections they have and the things they have that are that make them feel fulfilled and not you know, accepted, you know, and part of something. So, over time, he recognizes that None of these drugs, I mean, none of these animals uh, get addicted to the water, drink it all up, beg for more, go crazy, bite the others, you know, none of these things happen. It just becomes, and it's because all these pleasures are available. And I always think about this when I think of people that are addicted to drugs. I'm like, where is their happiness? Where is their family? Where are the people, you know, and, and, and all this tough love comes out, well, tough love, you know, I'm going to be tough and stand up for myself and think of me first and I'm not going to let you ruin everything. N- knowing that these people on these drugs are lonely. 
and they're not connected to something and they're missing something so basic that completes them to the point of not wanting to do drugs. I mean, John, if he wasn't here, I have no doubt he'd be doing all kinds of things because he's come back to my house before and I found needles in his possession and I found things that I've had to, you know, I've had to take him to rehab before many times. But when he's here at my house and he has food every day and he has a TV, I put a TV back in his room, I've gotten him books and his his family does mail him books and things to help him with uh you know keeping his head you know occupied and um and he does better and it makes me think you know I'm not comparing John to a rat in any kind of way I love John but I do see that when he has other things that pleasure him and that give him some sense of you know something then he will um, then he doesn't chase after all the drugs in the world. He doesn't go out and everything because you know what? He has a safe place to be and he has people who love him. And I depend on him in a little bit of a way. Uh, John doesn't sleep at night. He stays awake all, all night long and sleeps during the day. So a lot of times we don't even see each other. And so he, um, but at night he's my security guard. I mean, he's up all night long. He's heard, he's chased people away. Before, some people came to try to steal some bricks. I live right next to an art studio, and the art studio has so, some amazing um, bricks out front that are painted and this and that. Well, I guess it was late at night, and a couple of guys showed up with a car trying to steal the bricks, and John was out there smoking a cigarette, ran out there and chased them off, you know, and <laughs> and it's kind of cool. You know, I, I sleep better. I feel safe, and I feel safe in my home. My car is safe. Um... Uh, I have, you know, like I said, you know, we have a, a kind of a symbiotic thing going on right now. Um, but, you know, that makes me think when I meet these people who are on drugs and they have these mental problems, you know, do they have something that gives them pleasure? What is it, you know, what is it that this person needs to have a sense of happiness that keeps them from chasing after other things I've done all the other drugs I mean I've never shot up and um but I've smoked crack I've done meth I've done I've, I've drank alcohol before I've done lots of hallucinogenics I've done I've done all these drugs but I was never sucked in I never became an addict on, you know, I just always liked smoking weed, you know, I didn't, I don't even smoke cigarettes or anything like that, you know, never in my life, I've just always liked the weed, weed is the one crutch that I liked, and, but I have seen what all these other things are doing to the people I love and care about, and then, you know, it gets bigger, it's the whole world, and I was, where was, I was at the library today, it's a cold, wet day out there, so a lot of homeless people um, go into the library and I was walking and I I noticed so much struggle so much uh, just so much pain and so much uh, so much in people so I could feel the energy you know I could feel people I could feel you know so I tried to just smile and tried to you know, be genuine and, you know, say hi, you know, if you're going to look at me, I'm going to say hi. I'm not going to 
jerk my eyes away and look somewhere else. I'm going to say, hi, have a good day. You know, how's it going? Um, I saw a guy rubbing his girlfriend's shoulders and neck, and I could tell they were homeless. And I, I just went over and said, you know, do you have a headache? And she said, I've got all kinds of aches. And all I said was, well, if you have a headache, headache, um, headaches come from the neck. And neck pain comes from the shoulders. So, you know, I was basically just telling the boy, you know, if, if, you, if she has a headache, you know, massage her, her neck. Because he was, you know, massaging her head and massaging her, uh, like, like in the shoulder area. And uh, it's just a simple thing, you know. And, you know, um, and the kid was like, oh, thank you, you know. And I, I don't know if it was his girlfriend. It might have even been his mom. Uh, but something in that moment that really got me, because it looked like the woman was on some drugs or been on something, and the boy didn't. And... uh makes me think about all these kids out here that have to take care of their parents. You know? In some kind of way, I'm sure there's a time whenever us as kids have to take care of our parents, but to have to do it when you're a teenager or in your 20s, that's, that's a big deal. And, uh, I don't know, today's just been all about this mental health and, and, and the state of everyone else. And I can't save the world. I can't save everybody. I can help anybody that comes to me and needs it. And, and, and that's the best I can do. But today, it's been really emotional. I love these people. I love this man. This man that's in my life and who's connected to my children and my grandson and my daughter and my my family and I need if anyone is listening to this um to send some prayers and I don't want those prayers and those kind thoughts and that sense of love and that energy sent just to me and my my people that need help right now. I want it to be like big. I want you to sit down and to pray for everybody and yourself if you need it. Because I'm going to today. After I'm done with today, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sit here in quietness and I am going to do nothing but concentrate on loving and just downpouring healing prayers and love onto this world right now, man, this whole world, and I'm going to tell you something, all that stuff we see in the world right now, all that rape, all the fucking war, all the violence, all the death, all of the abuse, all of the abuse on children and sexual trafficking, all of that stuff. It is all a manifestation of our individual pain and suffering. So, if you've got pain, if you've got suffering, 
don't put that aside and try to help other people. Deal with that first because you're your own pain and suffering is also manifesting these things in the world. On whatever level, we all have that responsibility. We have a responsibility to heal ourselves here. It's not our responsibility to take care of others. But it's definitely that one thing that makes you love yourself. Because loving yourself is not something you do. It's a byproduct of your actions. I I need to get off of this and take care of these things I have going on today. But my next video um, podcast is going to be about loving yourself. I actually, my daughter and I recorded an hour and a half episode the other day. And it deleted because there's a bunch of fine print that says if you add another person to your podcast, it can only be 60 minutes long. And because we went over that, it didn't save. And I so wish it would have because it was very informative for a lot of you younger people. My daughter's 25, and she had a lot of questions just from her and also from her peers. And we got into those, and that was great. But we're going to record that again sometime. I just want today just... If, like I said, if you hear this, just take a moment of your life and your day to send some healing to the world, to, to the mental state, to the drug-addicted places that we find ourselves. And any kind of healing that you want to send to this world is is needed right now. And... You know, it's been, like I said, it's always been something outside of my life. It's always been something I saw on TV or that I saw somewhere. But when it's hitting the people close to me, that's showing me how big it is in the world. It's showing me that, no, it's not, it's not out there. It's here. And I'm going to tell you something else. This per- person that I'm helping today came straight to me and said, I've been lying. I've been on this. And you know what? He's had this problem for so long and he's hidden it for so long that a lot of us didn't even know for a while. So when you're talking to the people you love, really, really talk to them. And and at least if you can't help them right now, at least build the trust with them so that whenever they're ready, that they love you and they trust you enough to come to you. Because that's what it's all about, just creating a safe place for people to come to whenever they're scared and they're alone and they're facing something bigger than themselves. I mean, I don't know who you are right now listening, but I love you. I love you because we're all in this world together right now. We're all facing the future together. We're all facing this present right now together. And we all have to take from our past and create something new that works. And for every person that you love and for yourself, just try to remember that we all have this little struggle right now in some kind of way, on some kind of level. Try to be a little more forgiving, maybe. Try to be a little more understanding. Try to put yourself in that person's shoes 
And you know what? I get it if you're mad. Mad at people that are that have fucked you over so fucking much. People that have just fucking robbed from you and lied to you. I get it. You don't have to you don't have to take that on. But you can be that one person that they think of when they're ready. Just let them know that. I always love you. And I will always be here when you feel that you need somebody. I'm going to be here. And whatever I'm doing, I'll drop it. All right, guys. Be good out there and be good to each other. And most importantly, be good to yourself.